Well, hello to our new listeners. Thanks for joining. And to our returning guests, welcome back. Welcome to Season 6 of the Morosible Podcast. My name is Mo. In this season, like you've been used to, get ready for more amazing stories, more inspirational stories to help you set your stories free. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes, as well as to build communities around important salient issues that affect all of us as humans. So on this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured here are by people whose journey I am partly inspired by, as well as challenged by, but most importantly, people whose courage and vulnerability have afforded us an opportunity to hear their life stories. And I hope you find them as inspiring. Now enjoy your show and don't forget to share this episode and the other ones. Welcome back on the podcast, everyone. This is Mo, and today I have an inspirational story to share with you. I have been working with um, my guests for the past two years, and I have learned a lot on um, advocacy, on being passionate about a community, and of course, the power of just using one story to help people who might be going through one thing or the other. He He's a distinguished individual with an impressive biography. When he sends it to me, I'm like, if I read everything out on the podcast, it's probably going to take me about 30 minutes. So let me try my best to do justice to his introduction. He's a graduate of Florida A&M University, and he has held various leadership positions throughout his career. He has made significant contributions to his university, including serving as a director of the Black Mill College Explorers Program, the Director of Alumni Affairs, and the Director of the Community Development Corporation. He also has a rich history with the Harlem Group Trotters, having toured with the team and even featured as a dribbler during the, his time with them. His accomplishments have been recognized throughout, through numerous awards and inductions, such as being inducted, in, inducted into the FAM, which is the FAMU, which is the Florida A&M University Sports Hall of Fame, and also receiving the FAMU Distinguished Alumni Award. He has been actively involved in community services and served on various committees and commissions. Currently, he's a strong advocate and motivational speaker for prostate cancer awareness and serves as a member of several organizations and associations. He's a man of faith. He's been happily, happily married to his wife for 60 years. They have three children, 11 grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. Everyone, please join me in welcoming Mr. Thomas Mitchell to the podcast. Wow. Thank you. That's that's a lorry load of accomplishments. Uh, and first of all, it's just an honor to have you here. And thank you for the work you do. For those who don't know, um, myself and um, a couple of six other men, we formed the Community Advisory Board. 
and they are made up of prostate cancer survivors. Mr. Mitchell is one of our members, and his input has really, together with the other members, they've really helped to um, strengthen the core of our work and to make sure that what we are doing is culturally appropriate to the Black community when it comes to prostate cancer. So um, also, happy Father's Day, sir. Uh, happy belated Thank Father's you. Day. Thank you. So um, just tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, how you grew up, your family, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm adopted, so uh, I, 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 my mother, upon uh, getting pregnant, was about 15 or 16 years old. And so my aunt, my, my blood uncle, great uncle, uh, the, the, the brother of my grandfather, happened to be uh, at my grandfather's house, and they adopted me at two months and four days. Uh-huh. So uh, I was born in, uh, so I was raised in that family uh, my my blood family was a Mitchell and my my mother was was a Hawkins. So I was uh, brought into those two families and they played a great role in, in my development. Uh, I lived in a uh, my fam my 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 parents were poor, but I wasn't because they provided me with everything <laughs> I needed. But my mother was a maid made by two hundred and fifty dollars a week, wow. and and so my father though was like an entrepreneur. He was. He was one of those very talented men. He could cook. He could build houses. He was an entrepreneur. So uh, we were provided for. So, uh, but to to cut it short, I, I, I was born into a poor family, but because they took care of me, I could never say that I was poor because I think I had everything I needed. And I was raised in the church. And and so uh, uh, I live uh, uh, in in a black community during the segregation days. Uh, I went to Florida University. I graduated from Florida, and uh, from there I, I uh, played basketball. And then upon uh, the end of my uh, professional, the Globetrotters career, I, I moved to New York, and that's where I got married and 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 had. Uh, 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 all three of my children were born in New York. Wow! I mean, that's a <laughs> So many layers to that. And from your adoptive family, did you ever have a relationship with your mom or it was just, you know? Oh, yes. That's, I'm, I, I was trying to cut it short. That's but cool. the one thing I did, I did get to see, uh, well, it, it was a typical situation where some kids was saying, well, that's not your parents. Uh, you know, and, and of course, as, as you know, parents, uh, adults sometimes talk around children. Mm-hmm. So the kids discovered that uh, I, th- my parents were my real parents. And so my adopted mother heard them saying that. And she called me into the house and, and, and let me know that uh, that um, they did adopt me. And that. And then she said, if, she asked me, did I want to go live with my biological mother? And obviously being a kid who had been with them for 10 years, I said, I don't know them for what, you know. And so, but she did make sure that, my biological mother and father came to see me. Mm. And as a result of that relationship, I made sure that when my kids were born, I let them know who their biological uh, grandmother was. was. And then, as a matter of fact, I allowed them to go spend some time with them. So um, I had a relationship with, with uh, my, my kids had a relationship with my biological mother as well as my adopted mother. And so uh, it was a situation where uh, uh, they all knew. But, of course, they knew also that my uh, I, while I love my biological mother, my greatest love was for yes, yeah. my adopted mother, yeah, mother yeah, yeah. who raised me. Yeah. And not only was she my mother, but she was like my best friend. Um, and so I had an extra relationship 
with my parents. That is so beautiful. And I ask that because, of course, one of the things we know about prostate cancer, one of the risk factors would be um, family history, right? And so for you, was there any family history, especially considering that you were adopted? And did you know I, well, that? Yes. Uh, my, I, both parents died from cancer. Yes, uh, my my adopted father, intestinal stoppage. Yes. And, and so when they uh, opened him up, to uh, to uh, to do the surgery, it was the kind that spreads upon uh, uh, the opening of the womb, and so he he uh, died very quickly. He was gone. Uh, my my mother told me about it that he had, I think, two months to live, but I think he lived two weeks, and so that was the experience. My my adopted mother, and then my my um, my biological mother. I'm assuming she died from a heart attack. I'm, I, I didn't, I don't know for sure, but it was one of those situations where she was living alone. She collapsed on the floor. She must have been in the kitchen washing dishes or something. Mm. The water was running, and so she collapsed, and the, the, the kitchen was flooded since she was by herself. Uh, uh, you know, she she got, by the time they discovered her, it was too late. Uh. And so I'm also not an advocate of, of parents wearing the, what the, is the it? bracelets, the, yeah, alerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fall and I can't get up. It's you okay. Know, that, Medical that, alert person. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, so, but my biologic, my adopted mother did. Uh, she she was diagnosed as having cancer of the, of the intestines. Mm. I mean, of the stomach. So she too get, died from cancer. Okay, okay, but no history. I'm sorry to hear about all of that, by the way. But no history of prostate cancer in your family that you know of. Now, I mean, um, let's talk about just, you have a unique story when it came to one, how you were diagnosed with prostate cancer yeah. and even your journey to a survival of it. Um, okay. Before you were diagnosed, can you just walk us through what your health seeking habits were? Were you one of those men who would every year go do your health care checkups? How did your diagnosis come about? My diagnosis came about as a result of my uh, undergraduate degree. I have a, a, a a, a BS degree in health and physical education, and I have a master's degree in health education. So it occurred to me that I hadn't had a checkup in two years. So I said, you know, this this don't make any sense. So I got to have a checkup. So I went to my doctor and said, you know, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I just know I haven't had a checkup in two years. As a result of that, obviously, the normal procedures that my doctor gave us, the colonoscopy, yeah. And that was, unfortunately, I'm glad they don't do it anymore, but that was a time when they kept you awake. Oh. And so I was able to see that my intestines was pretty good, but there was a shadow block in the camera, uh. which implied that I had an enlarged prostate. So as a result of that, then they gave me a biopsy. Out of the eight scans, uh, one showed cancer. And so, um, what? So my doctor, you know, explained to me. I oh, at this time, by this time, and and historically, I have an excellent relationship with all of my doctors, my dentist, my, my you know, and and I just today I went to see uh, my urologist who 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 uh, uh, who performed the the, the uh, uh, procedure. Uh, yeah, he. I went to see him today, and of course, he was. We, you know, I'm always glad to see him. I, I thanked him for the 24 years that I've been alive Aww. since then. But, but the bottom line is, he said, "Listen, well, my, my, um, my regular doctor indicated uh, that. Listen, we have a history of 20 years with the, with the surgery and 10 years with treatment. And 
you know, I had a good relationship with it, and, and I was very humorous and said, well, look, can I get the 20 and the 10, you know, I said, <laughs> <Add> it together. <laughs> yeah, you know, give me, let me get the same, you know, and, and they were trying to explain to me, they were trying to be, you know, yeah. they really didn't want to, to, to orient you know, them, yeah. Now, they didn't want to imply what they wanted me to do. They just wanted to let me know the history. Mm. And so that's why they said, well, we got we have 20 years of, of history with the surgery and 10 years with the with, with the treatment. And, and as I said, I said, can I get 30? Give me the 20 and the 10. You know, and of course, um, um, but, uh, any, but the other thing is, as I've said before, one of the great experiences I had was, uh, uh, one of the uh, there's an attorney that's, that attended the same church that I attended uh, was part of a mentoring group. He had had already had the surgery, and so what my practitioners did uh, uh, and and my urologist they they had him to talk to me to give me a benefit of his experiences. And I'll never forget among the things I remember him saying to me was among other things is that listen, you're gonna feel good in about three weeks. Mm. They're gonna they're gonna tell I'm sorry, they're gonna tell you to to stay home about six weeks. And but you will feel good probably about three, he said, but you really need to stay the three years. The three the three yeah. the six, six weeks. weeks yeah, yeah. He said the only reason I didn't do it because I'm an attorney and I don't get paid if I don't go to work. So since you're a state employee and you have benefits, you stay I would I would I would recommend that you do that. So that that was my experience, and and I, you know, but I based on some of the other questions, I, I'll stop there. But I had a really good experience. If you can have a good experience with cancer, yeah. I, I really had a good experience. And 24 years later, I'm really grateful for all of the people that played a part in in, in getting me to, uh, to this point. That's a very um, key thing you've um, uncovered there, Mr. Mitchell. I think the importance of establishing that coordination of care, because if you didn't even have one in place, you, you, all of your doctors and, you know, using them and finding out, you know, this diagnosis, it could have been, things could have gone up, you know, really all right. And so thanks for um, that reminder. Now, from the studies we've been conducting, which you've been a part of, one of the things we see is just the reticent black men, reticent black men have in even approaching the doctor in the first place. But we we also don't like talking about prostate cancer. We we don't even do anything until it's almost too late once the symptoms start um, um, showing up. So for you, what are some tips you can give to young men who, you know, they know they should be checking this, but there's always that barrier, which, you know, mm-hmm. as a female, I don't understand it, but I'm able to sit in that moment and, you know, just be there and listening. But as a female, because mm-hmm. we're more proactive, you know, we, isn't the way we are groomed is so different from the men. So I understand that part. What are some ways um, to kind of, you know, help men get better um, um, hold of their health? Let me say this. I, I was truly fortunate that this was 1998. And for whatever reason, at that time, there was a lot of discussion about prostate cancer. Mm. So it wasn't something that was remotely I was aware of. But I, I'm, I'm the founding president of the 100 Black Men of America. And one of the things that the 100 Black Men of America was doing during that time, when, when we had our national conferences, we would have testing. Oh. Uh, for for uh, and, and I'm sorry, they talked a lot. Part of part of the 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 mission of the hundred black men was health and wellness, 
And because it was a black male organization, then there was a discussion about those 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 uh, health issues that affect us. And so I really, you know, some of the the myths and misconception that exists among some men, that just wasn't the case with me because these were men who, who talked about it. And the other thing is, I'm truly fortunate. Matter of fact, I've, I've gone on Facebook and talked about my sons and some friends and all of mine. Yeah. And one of the things I thought about today that I'm going to do, I really have some friends that are professionals. Mm-hmm. And for instance, Joe Camp, the guy who operated on me, the one I went to see today, Joe was a legend. The doc, he was the doctor's doctor. Mm-hmm. When I was diagnosed with cancer, my doc, my practitioner said, listen, you need to see Joe, Joe Camp. <laughs> He's the guy that the doctors go. And, and Joe was great. I mean, like I said, we have become friends. And even since I'm a fundraiser, Joe gives me money to, for whatever I'm doing. Joe supports me in whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And so uh, I had a different experience in the sense that Joe, kn- knowing how some men think about erectile dysfunction, said, listen, don't worry about nothing. We raised the dead here. You know, that's the kind of guy he was, you know, and so... He, he was just great. And, 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 and my other practitioners, like I said, they, we had a mentoring program. So I, I know there's some misconceptions about it. I, I also know that men don't like the digital exam. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, the record exam, but, correct. You know, I, I didn't particularly like it, but that's what I needed to do to make sure that I was okay. I was fine with that. And then, of course, the other things, uh, men, uh, some men, uh, has a, a has a, a well a, a fear that if they and they tell you fifty percent chance that you would be impotent you yes, know that you erectile yes, dysfunction is part of it but you know I was a little different I said listen you know I, much as I like sex I like life better <laughs> so there was no problem with me in terms of what I I didn't, I didn't even hesitate when he said twenty years surgery and 10 years treatment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, that it was, was it for, for you. Uh... Yeah. So I, you know, that's what I'm saying. My, and, and that's why I really, when you hear me talking, there are things that I recommend yes, because they, they help me. Yes, so much. yes, yes. I mean, I really, and the other thing with me, and, and but the faith thing, because I'm religious and because I have a family, as you know, what yes. I have, I, you know, I, at, this was six, I was 60 years old at this time. I'm 84 now, but I was 60 at that time. And I said, you know, God has been good to me. I've, I've been married. I got all these kids. And I certainly want to live a little longer. But, you know, if if I go today, I can't complain. Hmm. My, my life, I really, you know, I, when I think about it, even from a religious point of view, you know, the, the, the terrible life that people have had, some of the major problems, some of the, the pain, I haven't had that kind of hmm. life. I mean, I was poor, but I was blessed in the sense that I, I was never really, I mean, I've had, I, you know, I've had tonsillitis. I've had, you know, I had all the things that other people have, but my attitude was always, it could have been worse. Yeah. Whatever happened to me, I said, it could, like at this point, I was 60 years old. I said, well, I could have died earlier, you know? And so my experience and my attitude was one that, I was grateful that God has been good to me and that I had had a relatively pain-free life. Uh, I wasn't rich, but I, you know, yeah, but my parents were yeah, poor. Yeah. 
but I wasn't. And I then I have a degree, and of course, I play basketball. My wife was a fetching, so we we were comfortable. We weren't poor, but we couldn't complain. You know, whatever we had to complain about, because we spent too much money. Not that we didn't have it. Mm. So that was a different with me. And so, but again, to cut it short, when I had my surgery, I kind of was prepared that maybe it wasn't going to work out. And I joke with my oldest son, who doesn't go to church a lot, and. When I woke up, my son was walking in. I said, well, I know I'm not in heaven now. <laughs> you know, so we, we joke about that now. He's one of, he's, he really is my favorite yeah, son. Yeah. So we joke about that now. But my point is, I I was prepared that I had lived a good life. And I had, you know, I had been married at that time, probably 40 years. So I just couldn't complain. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I think about other people down earlier. So that was kind of my experience. And it was one that... You know, black men, obviously, really some of them refused to get the surgery because they just didn't want the, 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 they couldn't think about the idea of not being sexually active. And so, you know, there there are a lot of men, and and I, I, since, you know, since I'm not calling names, two of my friends who took the treatment died very shortly after, I mean, you know, they uh, uh, so, but to me, there was never any question that I, if it was surgery, that would uh, probably give me some additional t- uh, time. Then I, I, I was good with that, and and uh, uh, and then of course at that time they were also telling about about you know the medicine that was available. Of course, you you know how plenty of it is now. Yeah. So during that was the beginning of that discussion about the medicine that could help men who uh, might have been uh, uh, victims of, of ED. So it wasn't a time where uh, I was really confused and could make up my mind. I, my mind was made up immediately when they told 20, me what, yeah, the, what, the weakness were yeah. and what the chances are. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's so much to unpack there. And, and thanks for, you know, just sharing your experience and also being vulnerable with, you know, how are you able to redefine what quality of life meant for you? Like saying, yeah, I know that, you know, um, sexual health is important, but my overall life, like being alive is important and negotiating what that meant yeah. from there. Now you've, you've been in survival for 24 years. That's, you know, a lot of, you've actually outdone the the numbers given to you by your doctor. So congratulations in survival. And you're still going with so much power. If you could look, look back, you know, from how far you've come until the present date, are there things you could have done differently? I can't think of nothing that I would. Oh well, yeah. I, that's the only thing I could have. I should have done. I should have eaten better. And, oh, yeah. Not gained as much weight. You know that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But as it relates to the cancer, mm-hmm. I recognize as much as I give credit to my doctors, I, I recognize that accidentally or not, I made a very wise decision to go get a checkup. Mm-hmm. And so, as a matter of fact, when I tell my story to men about the significance of having checkups, I say, listen, I'm probably, maybe I would not have been, but I'm probably alive now. Because had I, remember when I had the biopsy, they they took eight scans, only one showed cancer. Had I waited longer, those numbers would probably been different, okay? And so that's the first thing that, you know, that I have to give myself credit. You know, maybe I was lucky for doing it, but the 
bottom line was I thought it not robbery to have a checkup. And then by having that checkup, that's when I discovered I had cancer. And then the rest of the doctors that I had were just absolutely great. Like I said, they were they had my, my practitioner, we had become friends because whenever I went to see him, we might talk about my health for a few reasons, but he was a supporter of Florida M University sports. So we would talk sports. So so we had a, a, a kind of a a very friendly relationship as well as a professional relationship. Then with Joe Kim, mm-hmm. being the guy he was, how, how he treated me, we became friends, you know. And so I, all of the experiences that I heard some other men talking about, they thought that doctors didn't tell them, you yeah, know, some things they didn't yeah. tell them or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could complain about it. These guys are friends of mine. These guys were, and, and they weren't friends when I met them, you know, originally as professionals, but they were just the kind of guys that was just friendly. And so you had, so that gave me confidence that these guys care enough about me that they're going to, you know, they're going to tell me. And like I said, the other thing is whenever I wanted to see them, you know, I hear some doc, some some patients complain, but they couldn't see them. Like my appointment today was because I called my doc, I called Joe yesterday because I wanted, to, I wanted to refill some prescription. And I knew that he probably would ask me to come in. So I said, look, do I need to, can I need to come and see you? Because I want to get my prescription. He said, yeah, come on and see me. But now, that was yesterday. But yesterday they gave me an appointment for 11 o'clock today. Wow. And that's the experience that I have with all of my doctors. If I call them and tell them I need to see them, they, they, they make time for me. And, and and I don't think it's for me, but but I that's my experience. And I don't, you know, and so I gotta believe I don't think they did it for me. They do this for me. So that's the other thing about my doctors. They are just they not only are they professional, but they are doctors who go beyond, you know, the, the, the call of duty uh in terms of and then and everybody in the office knows that. So whenever I call, I don't have to talk to the doctor. If I wanna come to see them, they yeah. they'll make they yeah. time for me. So that, so that was another experience that I've had that I hear other folks not having. So I do think the doctors need to realize how important it is when they have established what we call it bedside manner and 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 have a a, a, a presentation that appears that they care for you. I just didn't have any apprehension to do whatever they asked me to do. I mean, one thing they did, I mean, like I said, they tried to tell me the advantage and disadvantage, and, and I sit there and wait, and as soon as they tell I say, yeah, I know what I want. I want that. <laughs> yeah. it was, there was never any problem with me in terms of making a decision as to what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't take. I wouldn't do it any other way. Thank you. Now, I do know that now uh-huh. they plant seeds a little more now than the surgeon. Yes. So I, you know, there's a chance that if it was, if, if it would happen to me now, I would have had the, the, the seed. Yeah. I, yeah. But, but 24 years later, I'm not questioning nothing that happened <laughs> because I'm very pleased. Okay. That's really, that's really, really good to hear. And I think again, the emphasis on having that relationship with your doctor, you've benefited greatly from it. And it, there's, I mean, and if you are, and if you find a doctor that doesn't really is not compatible with you, there's nothing saying you can't change that person until you find the yeah. people you want. And I think that's where we kind of like go, like, oh, you know, I went in, I had a bad experience, and I'm not going to go back again. But at the end of the day, it's our health. We need to be strong advocates. Now, speaking of advocacy, one of the reasons why I, whenever I, you know, I got I got to know you through Dr. Dickie. So shout out to her. She's also um, a professor at the um, FAMO and, you know, she's doing great work in cancer. She had told me about you and, you know, I reached out to you, got you into the study, but I noticed something different about you. And I noticed the same thing with other CAP members. 
you all had beyond you know survivorship, which I think is also laudable enough. You had this burning passion to just be out there and talk about your community. And so when I approached you to be a cab member, it was because I could see that. So for you, why was it very important for you to go beyond just surviving? Because if you had just kept your story to yourself and you know um, just lived quietly, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all have different you know passions born inside of you. Why advocacy for you? Well, I, I adopted a pay-forward attitude. Like I said, I, I, unfortunately, the, the gentleman, the, the attorney who uh, who came to me as a mentor just recently passed. Mm-hmm. But but based on my experience, I was so satisfied that I felt the need. And, and the other thing is, I, I felt the need to tell my story because I, I had no symptoms. I had no idea that I was sick in any manner. Uh, and so to, to discover that I had cancer, I mean, of course it was scary. Don't get me wrong. I mean, when you, you hear the big C, you, yeah. you, you're terrified. Yeah. But, all, but all of the doctors in talking to me, it was, you know, they encouraged me because they had positive experience. But anyway, let me get to it. Because I went and got tested and discovered it. And now 20 some years later, well, it wasn't 20 when I started. I immediately wanted to share that with other men. And I also know that men don't like to go to doctors. And that's the other story that I tell that, because I mean, I once, I, I had a nosebleed or something. I went to the doctor, you know, I mean, you know, there's nothing on you if you have nosebleed, but I don't have nosebleed. So once I had a nosebleed, I went to the doctor. Well, doctor, well, you blow your nose a lot and, 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 and the nostrils are, uh, are very fragile. So that's all it is. Okay, now I'm good. <laughs> so when it, now the next time it happened, I didn't worry about mm-hmm. it. But whenever, I, you know, but what I'm getting at to answer your question is, uh, it's just important that men understand that a checkup, and one of the things I say uh, uh, consistently is, listen, by going to get a checkup, you discover that you're okay. But even if you don't, you can if you catch almost everything that can kill you or every health issue that can kill you, if you catch them early, you can live mm. and you can be treated. So the, the significance of the checkup is if you go and you find out you're okay, that's, good. that's great. Yeah. But then if you do have a problem like I, I caught it with one scan out of eight. So that's a reason for men to understand how significant the checkup is. Mm-hmm. So that's that has been the reason for my my advocacy is that I just wanted to make sure that men understand that look, you know, I, I can understand it. I mean, I don't like the digital either, but if that's what's going to keep me alive, it's fine. And, and so, as I also indicated, uh, uh, and as in one of the question too is that I, I indicated to you guys that. The, I immediately told my family that we need to know what our health health history yes, is because y'all need to know that based on what my information is, now my children are, are vulnerable. So instead of them waiting until 50 years old or whatever, they should now be checking at 30, 35 to see what their situation is. And so that was the reason for my my passion but because it saved my life. And, and certainly I'm a teacher, you know, and, and that's that's part of what we do. We want to teach folks that, and, and advise folks what's what's what makes sense as a health and education, a health education person, too. I want to at least help people understand the things that they can do to, to live longer and to be healthy. Wow. I mean, I think you've summed it up nicely by just saying that um, that pay forward um, and 
especially given yours was unique in the sense that you had no symptoms and out of all the eight cells that were biopsies, biopsied only one came out as, you know, having cancer. And if you had delayed it, you know, it could have gone worse. Thank, thanks for um, emphasizing that. Now, um, even if you were to describe what being a survivor is like for you, because it's been 24 years and you're one of the um, most seasoned and more experienced um, cab members we had. And I know that, um, one of like one of the comments that has been floated around is as being part of cab is seeing people who have gone ahead of you and knowing that okay there's a lot of hope and i think there's that power in sharing our stories and knowing that even despite all of the things you might be going through you can always find you know um joy and happiness and just making life work for you so for you how would you describe your what being a survival means to you well i guess again I, you know, like when my doctor told me today I was healthier, I, I mean, he, I look good and all that. And, you know, I, I thought about, I, I personally believe that part of my health also has to do with the fact that I'm relatively happy. I'm kind of content with my life. And I do know as a health major, stress can play a major role right. in health. Mm-hmm. And so that there are a lot of there are a lot of conditions or side effects that are associated with health. And so I basically, even though I was poor, I've always I just had a good life. So, so the other thing is, uh, based on the kind of, of of treatment that I was given, I think it, it it made me live longer. And and because of my age, I'm grateful that what happened to me, I think, has played a role in me living longer. Mm -hmm. So that's also a part of my psyche. And being on a university campus when I told, when it was discovered that I had cancer and uh, there was was research on our campus. So I was part of that group. And and, and Dr. um, What's the name at Florida State that may have told you about me? Oh, Dr. Um, Dickey? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I was part. I was. I did. A, I, I was with them, and what I did, I encouraged men to be part of hers because the thing that I, you know, I was telling men that, you know, I was allegedly cancer free, mm-hmm. and because of the checkup and because of the treatment I had, and because of course, like I said, Joe Camp is is like a legend among everybody. Think he's the absolute greatest, and so all of that was part of. of, of a lot of men going to Joe and and uh, everybody felt that by going him, to him, the kind of treatment that others have gotten that they would get. And once they they met Joe, they too were satisfied. And so I became the person, one of the persons that whenever anybody, husband or wives, I mean, husbands, sometimes a husband might have come to me, sometimes wives come to me when their sons or their husband had cancer. They wanted to talk to me because I had made it, let it be known that I'd be happy to talk to them about it. And so that created an atmosphere in our community now is that we all talk about it. And we, and we, we, I mean, we, I was at a meeting once we gave Joe an award and I asked the men who he had treated to stand up and it must've been 70% of the men in there stood up. They all knew Joe. He had treated them because, you know, the one thing that's clear that eventually we're probably going to have a problem with our prostate. Yes. yes. And so, and so I came, mine occurred, like I said, in, in the nineties, 
everybody was talking, men were talking about it and men had begun to be treated. And of course, again, some of them didn't want the surgery, but that wasn't my problem. <laughs> oh, so, and a lot of men, you know, went, and of course, with all of the, all of the, the, the medicine that's, that's out there now for ED, more and more men uh, are, uh, you know, are going and getting treatment. But I still think a whole, a large percent of the men has a problem with the possibility of being impotent. And they, that's just, you know, man, that's unfortunate. That, that plays too great a, great a, great a, a role, role in, yeah. in, in manhood, in the minds of men, that that's so much part of manhood. But, yeah, that, yeah. but that just wasn't my problem. I mean, you, I mean, you said you've, you've hit a critical point of a conversation in just balancing the process of aging. Because some things will decline as you get older, but again, yeah, quality yeah, of life yeah. is very important and cancer is not something you want to manage. And with most cancers, especially with prostate cancer, the earlier you um, detect it, the better it, your yeah, the outcomes of, yeah. you know, surviving and overall just wellness um, becomes. Um, before we move, And that I drove me. Yeah. The, the mere fact that it happened to me, mm. I said, we could, you know, more lives can be saved. And my, I saved my own life mm. by going to get a checkup. And so I wanted to make sure that men understood that. Thank you. Thank you for that emphasis. Now, um, before we move into just some of your work within the community advisory board, um, I imagine it's not always been a walk in the park. You seem like a very positive person, even your concept of paying it forward. And despite all the hardships you've had, you've always maintained a positive outlook. Are you able to share one one time when you felt, you know, really, really down because of, you know, this whole maybe doing your therapy or um, just a very low moment and how you were able to come out of it? <sighs> I, I'm not guilty. I just haven't had any low moments. Ooh, they, that's okay. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up. Probably the lowest moments I would have had was prior to the surgery. But like I say, since I was sent to Joe and I heard so many great things about him, obviously I was afraid. And like I said, now let me be clear. I did, as I said already said previously today, is that. I did realize that the possibility that I could have died, that the surgeon didn't have to be uh, successful. So, like I said, I had made up in my mind, fortunately, my life has been such that there's no way I can complain. I, I know the, life, the lifespan of black men. And, you know, I, I, I was 60 years old and, and, and life had been good to me. So, you know, I played basketball. I had a family. I mean, I just, I have a lot of friends. Uh, I mean, the real, I have some real friends. I mean, I had some that weren't, but I had, I traveled so much that I have a lot of friends. And so I just couldn't, I, in my mind, I know I have to die sometime. And I'm like, all Christians, I want to die. I want to go to heaven, but not this week. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, I just didn't have any really low moments other than I, but even recognizing that I would, it might be time for me to die. But once again, I was 60 years old. I had been married 40 years. I had a family. And so there's no way, since I know we all going to die, there's no way I could have been, you know, uh, I guess if I was a different person, I could have been depressed, but I just wasn't. I was fearful that it might not. Yeah. And like I said, once I, once I woke up, I was good, you know, and then they said that my numbers were good. So I, I didn't have any low moments, but I, I just, but I do think about the possibility if I had not had the checkup. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yes. so I, I, that's once again, that's just one of the more reasons why I feel blessed that I was, I had this good sense to get the checkup. And, and so I just haven't had 
I just haven't had any low moments. A lot of stuff that come at me, but my attitude it always has been. It could have been worse. Okay. And I appreciate that. I think um, it's, it's your story. And it, it, again, I think it just shows your overall posture towards anything in life is, you know, to be positive. So thanks for that reminder. So you have three children. You have 11 grandchildren and two great grandchildren. And yes. congrats on all of that. That's, you know, that's a bountiful blessing right there. And I know one of the things you're very, very big on is um, talking about, like at the cookouts and family reunions, like talking about history, right? Um, mm-hmm. What has that conversation been like, you know, with your progenies, your children and your great-grandchildren and your grandchildren about well, just this inherited um, susceptibility with prostate cancer, for example? Well, my children, um, they, they, you know, I immediately told them, okay, guys, you know, now that I've had it, you know, you, you don't wait until 50. You, you, you're vulnerable. And, and that's part of what I, I said to my, at my family reunion that we really need, cause I know diabetes is big in my family, mm. in my, in the Mitchell family. So I, I reminded them, but, but, but I also remind, but, but I talked about when you know you have it, there are some things that you can do in terms of eating and, 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 uh, and, 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 and weight control, you know, you, if you want to live a longer life, you're going to have to take, you have to do that. And, and, and one of the things I, I told, I would tell my family is when I was diagnosed with diabetes, I was, you know, I was afraid, but you know, my doctor said, listen, though, you know, you, you can still eat everything, almost everything you've been eating, just not as much. So I was good with that, you know, and that's the other thing about my doctors. We, we talked like, since I was diabetic, my doctor recommended uh, caffeine free. I, I don't. I don't drink alcohol, but I drink sodas. You know. So they say, well, caffeine free uh, for the for the cholesterol and and and, and sugar free for diabetes. Okay. <laughs> so you know. So and and just and and those are the kinds of things. So, but but I will always talk about the importance of 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 uh, of knowing the family history because a very good friend of mine who died. From uh, 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 colon cancer, that's one, he, that, that's when I was made aware uh, of of the significance of, of the blood. He was always talking about it's in my family, so I know what I have to do. And we, he was, you know, he was he was a really good friend. He was a tennis partner, and so he always just talked about that. So immediately when I got it, that's I guess that's probably what I thought about letting my family know that now you know that I've had it, and and also the significance of letting females know that okay, you might not have a prostate, but you got a son that has. Yeah. So and because you are in this family, then he's he or she he's vulnerable. And so those were the kind of things that, and even with the hundred black men, when we talked about it, I always volunteer to, to talk about that. And so whenever there's an opportunity, uh, I just feel so blessed that what happened to me that I want to share that with other men. And so while I haven't had any low moments, uh, I obviously I, I I I on a regular basis think about how significant it was that I went when I did. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, it was sometime later when it occurred to me, you know, if I had waited a little longer, that one out of eight might've been three out of eight. Almost. Yep. So true. So, so true. Wow. Um, this is definitely the importance of being proactive and um, also finding ways to keep sharing our stories. And I know that when, from just my experience, the, the motive behind this is usually one of good, like, oh, I don't want to worry my family member. I don't want them to, you know, be worried about me or stress them out. But what we're doing inevitably is actually causing more harm because if they don't know their history, then how are they supposed to, you know, adjust accordingly, you know, especially with your friend um, who had um, passed away due to colon cancer. And I'm so sorry to hear about that, by the way.
Now, one of the things I one of the things about that also by the family, uh, our family, all of my kids, my kids, my one, my son lived in. In, in Texas, and and I think my youngest son, who I was joking about, I knew I wasn't. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he was living in Orlando at the time. So they all came, and that's the other thing. We, whenever somebody is sick, we that's as a family, we we kind of do that at, at each other's birthdays. We, you know, we we have a, a conference calls or something. So that's a family thing with us, and so we 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 do go and like my wife had. Uh, my wife is a. Uh, 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 survival of um, uh, pancreatic cancer. Wow. I tell her all the time. That's a good she's, one. The only, she's the only person I know yes. that's still living yes. that has uh, that has uh, uh, cancer that had yes. cancer of the pancreas. Yes. And 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 I tell her also how blessed she is because she, she still smokes. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but let me say this: yeah. I, I was kind of hard on her until until I discovered I, she had really tried to stop. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, it really epitomizes how how much of an addiction it, it is. is because she said when she was going through this process of trying to stop, her desire increased. Wow. It got worse. Wow. As a matter of fact, she broke down because she, she just knew she couldn't, she just wasn't able to do it. You know, so, uh, but I, we, I, when she had cancer, she went to uh, uh, the hospital that's so famous in Jacksonville. Camille? Uh, huh? clinic. Yeah. She went there and I was absolutely pleased with the, the service there. That's and so, good. Uh, but, but again, that hospital was a, that hospital was a, uh, the mail was 165 miles from, from my hometown. Long, right? So I would spend the night there and then get up and drive back to work. And then after work, I would come back, but that's, that's us. I mean, if 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 one if, if we're sick, if, if, whenever sick. we go yeah. to emergency, yeah. we were we were we were there for the for the for the longest. What for however long it takes, we were going to be there. So that's the one good thing about my family. So I, that was that was that was that was not an issue even with me because we was nothing to think about when I when she had the cancer. When I had the cancer first, you know, she was there, and so when she had it, there was nothing to think about. Yeah. And like I said, she was in Jacksonville, so I would go and spend the night with her and get up. And drive back to to Tallahassee to go to work, and then after work I go back. But it, there was nothing to think mm-hmm. about. My wife was in Jackson, and that was it. Yeah. Know, yeah. And, and so we, that that's that's us. We we really uh, uh, now you know there's a lot I ain't telling you that. Don't get me wrong. With I don't have this perfect family, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know it's just that one of the things my wife and I can say was whatever else that may be a problem. We have so much in common that's positive with the children. Yeah. And again, after 60 years, you got a lot to talk yes, about. Yes, yes. You've been through a lot. Yeah. And so you've worked through a lot. You know, we, you know, we don't, we, we, we stopped arguing a long time ago because the attitude was, look, you're not going to change my mind. You're not going to change yours, man. So what, what are we going to do that? I, I you changing my mind. You ain't changing my mind. So, so what are we going to do there? Let's go. That's a good marital yeah. trip right there. Maybe just give it a couple yeah. more years and just be like, you know what? Yeah. This is who I am. You're going to take me or yeah. not? Oh, yeah. no. We, listen, we decided, listen, we invested too much time. We, we're not going, we're not going to break up and, 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 and have to get used to some other problem. We're going to solve these problems here. <laughs> we, we're not going nowhere. Yeah. That, that's not even an issue. Uh, yeah. All right. But that's that's the story about family. We we are supportive 
when it comes to that. That that's that's amazing. I mean, I know one of the big things that comes out, that that came out a lot during the analysis of you know just the work we've done together is the importance of social support and also spirituality. You've highlighted just the importance of that for you. What how what role, if any, and I think it's substantial because you've talked about us a lot. Has your faith played in just your survivorship journey so far? Oh, absolutely. I, I see. I was. It, it's 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 very much so. It was it was. I was born and raised in a church, mm. and I, I have I had to develop an attitude that I told parents. I said, I I was converted. I I, I joined the church at age ten, uh, but and when I joined the church, it was we we had the old fashioned uh, 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 revival, and. It was a problem for me because I'm saying, what am I supposed to do? I was born and raised in the church. I believe in God. I've tried to live it. You know, what am I supposed to do? What, what I'm, you know, what sign I'm supposed to, you know, if they were just think about some sign. I, I didn't, I just decided to join the church. I said, look, I, you know, I've been in church all my life, so I'm going just going to join. And, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't mess with other folks' holiness and whatever they do because they said that when I decided, like when I decided to join, they said I, I gave the pastor, I put my hand out for the pastor to shake my hand, mm-hmm. jerked the back and ran into the choir. <laughs> in the choir. I mean, it's just, I don't remember none mm-hmm. of that. So I don't fool with God and, and the Holy Spirit and none of that stuff. But my, what I'm getting at is that I was born and raised in church. And I, I truly believe, as a matter of fact, one of the things I did at, uh, at my 84th birthday, I, I talked about some songs that I was going to go on vacation and um, 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 and, and uh, I talked about some songs that one of my favorite songs was Shirley Caesar's Hold My Mule. And it's about an 86 year old man that joined his church and they didn't want him to dance. And this brother was saying, look, you know, do you see all that land y'all came home uh, to get to my uh, house? God gave me that land, but y'all don't want me to dance and be grateful. <laughs> you know, look at all of my children. I've never been to the courthouse or the cemetery. But y'all don't want me to dance. And I look at me. I'm 86 years old. And since I'm 84, I can relate to that. And he said, I'm still able to, to plow this mule and harvest my crop. So if y'all don't want me to dance in church, I dance right here. That's just, that's it. But but that's, that's, that's me you, now yeah. in terms of how blessed I feel. Mm. And so it, my, I, I just, as a matter of fact, what I, what I was getting at is that I, I said, I proclaimed to on Facebook that there's nothing... And in all the years of my life, I just cannot accept the theory of evolution as the total answer to life as we know it. Mm. You know, I, I just think that the, the, the brain, the body, uh, you know, even fingernails, somebody, something came up with some logic here. There was some thought process and fingernails to pick up. You know, I said, so. You know, y'all, if all of you believers are fine. I, y'all don't have to believe, but n- nothing gonna convince me that there isn't something else. And so that's that's just why I don't argue about it. As a matter of fact, one of the jokes I tell my wife, my you know, my wife's one of those. You know, why God has to be a man? I said, well, honey, if I get to heaven, it's a woman. I'm gonna say thank you, guys. I don't care. <laughs> that's too deep for me. I mean, life is too deep. Nobody knows. All we have is faith. And I just too many things that has happened to me that make me believe that there is some supreme being somewhere, somehow or something. And so that's part of me because I just how long I've lived and just how I've lived. 
And just, I, my, I belong to the, the initiatives of the Primitive Baptist Church, and they believe in predestination. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff that happened to me as an elementary kid that 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 resulted in some kind of relationship years later with that person. So I am a person of faith. I don't argue about it. I'm, you know, I ain't gonna, you know, I'm not gonna try to convince nobody or nothing because nobody knows. It's all based on faith anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so that was part of what I was. That I just felt that the fact that I thank God for me having the wisdom. To have the have the have the the the, the, um, the, the uh, go to have the test the test. So I just believe and 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 I just think that you know that's why I have to I have to I feel if I'm in town I'm going to church, you know uh, I'm going to church and you know and the other thing that has happened to me recently, I tip very heavy now oh. and I and I. <laughs> My wife, you know, she has a problem with some friends that I loan money to. And I said, honey, you know, I just don't think that God put me on this earth just to take care of my family. I said, what I've noticed, the more I give, the more I get back. So that's 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 how faith plays with me. And so even the cancer thing means that somebody had the wisdom to 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 give me the wisdom to get a test. And and somebody if 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 possible, there's somebody I, I'm blessed to live as long as I have. Mm. So there's just so many reasons why I don't have a reason to be depressed. And, and when something happened to me, well, it happened to everybody else, you know. If, you know, if Jesus died on the cross, whatever this is, I can deal with it. So that's that's my faith explanation. Oh wow! I mean, <laughs> that was that was beautifully said, and thank you for just that reminder. It's definitely a personal work, but for you, it's something that has given you a map to live life. And also, I want to even um, Gander, I guess that a lot of your positivity comes from your personal relationship with God because that's where you draw that from and anchoring into yeah. a higher power, definitely. Yeah, um, as we round off, I, I had two um, core questions for you. One is on your role as um, a community advisory board member. And I know in your capacity, you, you already do so much. And um, looking at your bio and, you know, all of the other advisory boards that you're part of, you know, for example, you, um, I think you do something with family already. All that to say that you do a lot in your role in the community, you know, you've received a lot of awards. For this particular one that is, you know, focused on prostate cancer, how would you, how would you say, you view your involvement in it and what have you would you say have, have you been able to get out of it um i i i'm satisfied that i'm sorry i i, I feel satisfied that whenever i can when people call me and and want to get my view on something or just want to talk to me and want me to talk to their kids i i i, I feel uh grateful that they do that, and I feel that. It, but it, it, but it, 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 what it does, it, it, it satisfies me as to why I do it. I mean, the, the idea of, of of going out and, and talking about your personal life, I only do it because I'm personally. I don't talk about my private yes, life, yes, you know. Yes. So I wasn't a young kid. I didn't kiss and tell. <laughs> Nobody knew nothing about my girlfriend. Nobody. I don't have no friends and know about my wife. You know. So I was never that kind of person. But I didn't have any problems indicating that I, I, I was also satisfied that I could be active after surgery sexually. Mm. Uh, uh, but it was, but it was not. I wasn't raving about it, but just that I'm telling you that when there's medicine now 
that can enable you to be relatively satisfied with your sexual life. And, and so, because I know how many men that's not going, that that refuse to get the surgery. Uh, matter of fact, there's some men, I had a good friend, I tease him all the time. Uh, he, once he had us, before they put us to sleep with the colonoscopies, he swear to God, he was never going back in again because... <laughs> It it, it it was uncomfortable, you know. Here, this this because in, in one of my cases when I've had a cold osteopathy, this doctor was talking to two eggs, and so why wow, this thing is uncomfortable. I mean, he's right here talking, uh, you know, about the conditions and what he's expected of them. You know, I'm saying hurry, let's hurry this up. But but the point is, uh, it, it I'm satisfied that I was helped, and I want to help other mm. men, and so and I'm satisfied. I, I mean, I, I feel committed to at least helping them to understand that what we're talking about is your life here. That if you're dead, you definitely can't have sex. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, so, yes. You know, so it, it, the thing is, but the bottom line is that too many men die because, I'm sorry, will die rather, if they don't get tested early on <sighs> and, and they don't make a decision, uh, the right decision that will enable them to live longer. So, um, and I, like I said, this is like the, yours is like the third or possibly the fourth group that I've been with, uh, talk about it. And I, if if I'm asked, I'm going to do it because I'm alive because I made the right decision and I certainly want to make sure that others do it. And so, uh, I, I'm involved with political organizations and my church and a hundred black men, uh, uh, the rally boosters is, I'm, I'm a former national president of my alumni association. I'm, I'm formerly executive director of the Rally Boosters to raise money for the athletic department. So they're just, I, first of all, all of these things keep me involved and, and it keeps me moving and thinking. And, and, and so I, all, I think all of those organizations help me probably to be alive as long and, and also to be as healthy as long because it keeps me busy and, 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 and it keeps me moving. And, and so, uh, and it also I'm kind of intent with my life which I do think play a role in health. So whatever I do is, I was raised up being that way, mm-hmm. uh, raised up in the church, you know, uh, being in the usher board. And, and I didn't like to sing in choirs because that was too many meetings. So I would sing if they, if they wanted me to do a solo, but I just didn't, I just didn't, I had too, I'm, I was involved too much that I just didn't want to go. I didn't want any more meetings. Yeah. And so, but, but I was active in my church and then active in high school. I was in a band. I played basketball. I played football. You know, there were, I sang. And so there were always things that I was doing that put me in touch with other people. So this whole community thing is just simply is healthy as well because I'm, I'm, I'm getting involved. And then too, I want to help people. Yeah. And, and I, I, one of my jobs is the Black Male College Explorers Program. That was a program designed to increase the amount of black males graduating from high school, entering college and graduating from college. And I would have about 100 young men that would come from all over the country. And I did that for 17 years. So, you know, and, and now I hear about them. They tell me about their family life and all the things that they didn't want to hear when I was doing it. But they're doing the same thing now to their children. So and, and you know, and so all of those things has made me relatively content with my life because I feel that I have contributed. And so that's why it's easy for me to, to, to participate in community organization. And, and I'm also very appreciative of the professional people who have played a role in my life. And so, uh, 
that that plays a, a, a great role in my getting involved and in, in, in helping anytime I can help someone. Thank you. Oh my goodness. That was, you know, that was very just inspirational to hear. Thanks for sharing that. And finally, I mean, in honor of Father's Day, um, one of the key findings we um, observed in the study was um, as a whole, some men might not feel comfortable talking up to their male progenies about, you know, just their risk of prostate cancer, even when they're going through therapy. Now, eventually they would, you know, open up. But the message, it also depends on the age of the child and maybe the appropriateness of the topic. But even on a sub-level to that would be for men with daughters, they leave their daughters out of that conversation because they might think, oh, no, you know, she's the female. But, of course, we now see some linkages between um, the father's um, risk of prostate cancer and then or father's history of prostate cancer and then the child's, uh, the daughter's risk with um, aggressive forms of breast cancer, you know, through the bracket gene and also the Lynch syndrome. Um, for men who might have, you know, maybe daughters only or sons only or a mixture of sons and daughters, how would you get them comfortable in broaching that topic of, you know, their susceptibility to their kid? Well, I raise it. I, I don't wait for them. I, one of the things I talk about, you heard me say, I, I, I make it clear that it's important that women understand the dynamics of prostate cancer and treatment, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, even though you don't have a prostate, if you have a son, you know, th- 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 there it is. It's so you're vulnerable. Your child is vulnerable. So it's important that, uh, that uh, they, they do that. And then too, I, for several years, I taught a health class. And when I got to sex, I made it clear to the kids. I said, you know, we're not going to be talking about the sex y'all want to talk about. You know, we're going to be talking about the things you're supposed to talk about before you get married. So it, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, how do you feel about living together? I mean, we were talking about uh, a relationship between men and female. I said, if you take a look at it, we really don't do too well in sex. If you look at the divorce rate, you know, we ain't too, we're not too great when it comes to sex. Yes. sex. So uh, that, that I was able to kind of slip all that stuff in when I talked to, about the sex class. And, and I, I really, my, my class used to commend me because we, we talked about the things that I felt was really important for them. And, and health was one mm-hmm. of them. And, and I talked about it. I, I had cancer and, 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 and I, and I emphasize even in that class, I said, look, you know, the great thing about a checkup is the fact that, you know, you can find out that you're okay, but you can also find out you're not okay. And and then if you catch all these conditions early enough, you can live with them while they can be cured. So it's, it's, like I said, the atmosphere among my friends and my organization, I'm sure there was some misconception, but there was more emphasis on how important it is to get a checkup and and to get the treatment. Because, and I guess the, the, one of the reasons I guess the men in, in my community kind of bought into it because the one thing that became clear, there was ever any question about that you're going to have a problem with your prostate. I mean, matter of fact, I've even heard some doctors say you're going to have cancer, you know, wow. but, everybody agree with that. but I mean, but the bottom line is there is no, there's no argument about the strong possibility that you're going to have a prostate problem. And it makes sense, you know, to, for me, it, I, we tried to make it sense, make sense to, to, to say that, you know, you need to just check it out. I mean, you're going to have a problem with it. So why wait until it's too late? And, 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 and I, like I said, I was always glad to tell my story that the, the, the probable reason why I lived as long as I did, yes. because I went, I caught it early, you know, and so, uh, 
I, I, uh, I, I have no problems discussing it with women. And even, but well, even my daughter, we, we talked about things. I, that's the one thing that, for whatever reason, sometimes my daughter asks me some questions. I say, "Why me? Ask your mother." You know, what? <laughs> my, my daughter would ask me a lot of things because I was open. I, it, it, you know, uh, in a responsible way, but not uh, uh, as not from some. Uh, 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 positive manhood, but just about for health reasons and, and also about the importance of of, of, uh, of, 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 of getting to know your mate before you get married and, and talk about things uh, about religion, about if you want to have children or not, where you want to live. This, this, to me, there's so many things that couples need to talk about prior to marriage so that they won't have some of the problems after marriage. That that was always part of my psyche, and so uh, I never hesitated uh, uh, to um, um, to talk about women. And the other thing is, I never hesitated uh, in the black male program. Whenever it was advised for me that why don't I do a program for females yes, as yes, well? Yes. Well, my response to it, if I was given the responsibility, the first thing I would do is to hire women. Yes, exactly. Because it's important that if a, if a male coach is coaching a female basketball team, his assistant ought to be a female. Mm. That I thought, yeah, I think I can coach as good as anyone, but there's something that's more uh, uh, germane to information related to uh, uh, female uh, 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 life in just, a, just an athletic bra. To, to to make sure when they're running down the court, they're not shaking all over the place. There's just there's so many things yeah. that I think is important that from a sexual perspective, in terms of uh, there are some things that that women owe it to females to tell them. They don't like with my kids. I say, you don't you, know, you don't have to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to tell you because I owe it to you to tell you certain things. And if you get out in life and you're not successful, I'm not going to lose too much sleep because I will have tried my best to tell you what's best. And I don't care whether you like it or not. I'm telling you because I care and, and you need to know. And so, uh, I, but but to, to, to get back to the female, it's important that females are part of any discussion about, about life because we because we talk about male and females. Yeah. And, and absolutely, there's a female perspective as well as a male perspective. And so, I do think that uh, 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 I'm sure, you know, some females prefer to talk to, to females and that's fine. And I'm sure, you know, some males uh, can talk to females, but some don't have a clue. And, and they would they just they, they, they really don't know what to do with their daughters. But when in fact is whatever you do for your son, you need to do with your daughters. Yes. And certainly in, in a, and what's so important about a male and a female in a marriage is that you do have a female perspective in the family. And certainly that person, uh, you, you should respect the fact that there are some issues that they know a little more about than, than a man would know. But, of course, it's important that men learn that because you never know when, you know, the mom won't be there. And so it's important that men do have a, a female perspective as well as a male perspective. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for balancing that message out. And I've asked you a lot today. And I also felt like I got to know more about your, like I've seen, you know, interacted with you, but knowing the whys behind what you do and learning more about your personal story and your passion for advocacy, for being open and for gathering the community together. This has just been an amazing conversation. And I want to thank you for your time today and um, just for coming on the show as well. 
Thank you. I enjoyed it. I mean, if, if I can help, I'd be happy to do Thank so. Thank you. Do you have anything else to say before I um, maybe some? No, it's just that I, I, I think what you're doing is, is, is important. That's why I wanted to be a part Thank of you. it anytime. Thank that you. There's so much still that we have to do yeah. to make sure that men uh, understand and women understand how important uh, uh, it is for them to play a role in, in their husband. Because there's some women uh, has the has the ability to, to to make men do what they might not want to do, and but and but again, I, I'm blessed in the sense that uh, whatever illness I've had, my wife was always there, and my children was always That's there, cool. and whenever. You know, as a matter of fact, there are times when I tell my wife, I'm calling the doctor. You, 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 you know, you don't want to go, but you got to go. I'm, I'm telling you now, if you don't go, then I'm going to call the men's <laughs> war, let them come here. So, you know, there are times when, like I said, we males and females have to be emphatic. Women have to make their sons, their husband go to the doctors. And I will make my, my wife doesn't like blood tests. I mean, she just, she, she's not, but I'm saying, honey, but I, I'm blessed that she'll listen to me. I said, no, but you're going. I say, now, if you don't go, I'll take you and stay with you. But if you don't go, I'm calling the emergency ward because there's a problem here. And, 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 and so that is a role that husband and wives have to play to be concerned about the health of it. But, uh, but I'm fortunate we've been together so long. She realized that when I say it that way, she knows that she better do something because I'm not going to let, I'm not going to quit because it's, it's for her, her, for her own good. And so, um, that's that all of that plays a role into, to what I, I believe about, uh, about marriage and about health. And, and certainly, uh, again, more than anything else, I just feel blessed that I was able to go through it and and um, and still survive because, and, and I'm more convinced because last two weeks ago, I lost one of the best friends of my life. Uh, uh, he spent, uh, he's a guy that, um, uh, you know, of all the friends I had, I probably socialize with him and do more things than just going to lunch with him. I don't. I go to lunch most, by myself most of the time, and and but he was just such a great friend, and uh, and he had a stroke. In two weeks, he was gone because he had a stroke, and then he had a second stroke, and then he was diagnosed with uh, cancer of the pancreas and of the liver, uh, and eventually his uh, 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 his kidney went bad on him. And in two weeks, he was gone, and I mean. That, that when when he went to the doctor for the first stroke, I felt good because he said it was just a mini stroke. When I've, I don't know if I told you, I've had a mini stroke. I, I, I had some funny feelings in my fingers when it got to my wrists. I told him, I said, no, take me to the doctor. Wow. And I discovered I had a, I had a, a mini stroke, but no after effects as far as I know. And so once he said that he had a mini stroke, I felt good about mm-hmm. it. But then the next thing I heard, he had a second stroke and then, then when he when he was diagnosed with the cancer, the doctors had to decide what, if anything, they could do because they couldn't give him. They felt they couldn't give him the chemo because he had two strokes. Mm-hmm. He wasn't strong enough. And so, but I mean, again, that's that was an experience. My father, like I said, my father when they opened him up, it was a, it was the kind that, of cancer. Yes, cold. yes, yes. You mentioned you know, my mom, my mother. She when she had her cancer, she. Um, she had Alzheimer's, so we don't know what she was feeling, and she didn't know. So I just know so many cases of people who pass uh, when, you know, I didn't, and when I haven't suffered. Now, you know, and it may well be that I have to suffer, but if I do, I can't complain. At 84, if I if, if, if this is the first time I'm going to suffer, you know, I thank God again, because for the 84 years, I, I, I just haven't had it. 
so that's that's a part of my makeup, and I just feel blessed, and and uh, uh, it 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 motivates me to to help any time I can, and certainly to make more men aware of what the, the significance of just a checkup and, and following the doc. My attitude is always when you know the doctors know a little something. They went to college just like we did, and we majored in one thing. They majored in medicine, so they probably know a little more than we know. So let's kind of listen to them. So, wow. I think this is just a perfect. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna keep saying thank you. I think it's a perfect time to just you know um, wrap up the conversation. We've learned a lot about you. For those who might want to maybe connect with you, and maybe um, for one reason or the other, maybe for mentorship or just you know learn more about you. Um, how can they reach out to you, Mr. Mitchell? You have my number eight five. The, the, the phone number the two one two. They want to give me number or maybe email address. Eight, Are you okay zero. with your number going out there? Yes, okay, yes. okay, okay. Please say it out then, and I'll put it in the show notes. And my address. You know, no, 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 your address. I know. I'll, I'll, that's why I'm going to just. I don't have a problem. I know, with I know, but this is. And email address as well. Okay, you know? yeah. Let's, let's do the email yeah, address. I, I, I know how to hang up if I don't want to talk. I know, but not the home address, though, sir, because this is a global podcast. Okay, no, okay, yeah. fine, let's let's give the email address. Email yes, address. yes, yes. You can give the email address and the phone number. Okay. And I would be happy to, in any way I can, to. Okay. to Answer questions. All right. uh, so uh, his email address is Tommy Mitchell S R. So T O M M Y M I T C H E L L S R at gmail.com. It's also going to be in the show notes. So thank you, Mr. Mitchell. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you very much. All right. And good luck to you as well. Thank you. My guys to the family as well. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye bye. Wow, that was explosively good, guys. I'm I'm so I'm so fortunate to work with these people and just you know be able to share their story. Working with them for the past two years and to bring them on the podcast and so you guys can see just behind the scenes and why we do the work we do. Like Mr. Mitchell said, there's still a lot of work to be done in promoting awareness about cancer. And I hope this episode serves as a reminder to go get your health checked. It's scary. Trust me. I know what that is like having to go every year and waiting and getting the blood drawn and seeing if numbers move or they don't move and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Sometimes we dread the tests more than um, the outcome. So just get it done. Okay. And wishing you good health and cheering you on. Love you guys. And thanks for tuning in today. I remain your host, Masibo. Bye for now.